of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV broadcasts from, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and their elders, past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater. Yama, welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program today, we continue marking NITV's 10 years as a free-to-air channel, bringing Indigenous stories produced by Indigenous people to all Australian households 24-7. In your program today, we have a speech by Auntie Dot West, pronounced at one of the events marking NITV's 10th anniversary at Uluru, at the heart of the nation. In her speech, Auntie Dot summarizes very brilliantly and very powerfully the journey traveled so far by not only NITV but all indigenous media. Also in the program, Councillor Abby Wright, Councillor for Sydney and Newcastle Region at the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, reflects on the importance of having a free-to-air First Nations TV channel telling First Nations stories. Councillor Wright remembers in particular the day when, together with his band, the Street Warriors, he performed at a concert to raise funds to establish an ITV. But now he rejoices, the channel is thriving and well enshrined in the national media landscape. Also in the program, well, sounds of Red Fan Radio's coverage of the 1988 bicentenary protests have been inducted in the nation's film and sound archives. A move, as you'll hear, reveals this sound's capacity to reflect and shape Australian culture. All these stories and more coming to you after the news. Bertrand Tungandami, I am Bertrand Tungandami. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. Bulletin, a state memorial service held for Indigenous songman Uncle Archie Roach. Mixed reactions to the federal government's new energy laws. And in sport, AFL coach Luke Beveridge signed another two-year deal with the Western Bulldogs. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews has delivered a posthumous apology on behalf of the state government to Indigenous songman and storyteller Anko Achiroch. Kundijmara Banjalung elder Anko Achi died in July at the age of 66 after a long illness. A state memorial service was held in his honour and was attended by thousands of people in Melbourne last night. Uncle Archie was a survivor of the stolen generations and experience he spoke about in his 1990 debut song, Took the Children Away. 
Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews said he wished to deliver a profound apology to Uncle Archie and his family for the hurt caused by the state's forced child removal policies. We apologise for the extreme, inhumane acts committed against you, the torture, the unspeakable hurt and the intergenerational trauma that you and your family continue to carry and experience due to your removal. I am sorry. We are sorry. The apology was accepted by Uncle Archie's sister, Auntie Mato Evans, who said she considered the apology as for all their family who had died without ever receiving one. He searched his whole life looking for answers. It's easy for me to be angry, but I won't be. This is because my brother come good and he achieved so much in his life. He was a gift to me. I am proud of him. He found strength to fight, to survive. Several Australian, great musical, several Australian musical greats played at the service with Uncle Kucha Edwards singing a revised national anthem and rapper Briggs, Paul Kelly and Emma Donovan also performing. The New South Wales government has added the site of an historic Indigenous massacre in southwestern Sydney to the State Heritage Register. At least 14 people from the Darwal tribe, including children, were killed in an attack ordered by Governor Lachlan Macquarie in April 1816 as they camped near the banks of the Cataract River. It is seen as one of the earliest and most traumatic frontier conflict ever conflict event between First Nations people and European settlers in early Australian history. Constable Zakari Rolf is to be forced to appear at the coronial inquest into the death of Kumanjai Walker. It comes following the Supreme Court's rejection of Mr. Rolf's attempt to evade a series of inquiries regarding the 2019 police shooting. Constable Rolf shot 19-year-old Kumanjai Walker three times during a bungled outback arrest in Uendomo, northwest of Alice Springs, on November 9, 2019. An inquest into whether the 31-year-old officer has the right to refuse to give evidence to the coroner and whether the court can force him to do so has repeatedly stopped an investigation into the world perimans killing. Mr. Rolf is expected to give evidence when the Kumanjai Walker inquest resumes in 2023. The Albanese government has scrapped a rule requiring local councils to hold citizenship ceremonies on Australia Day due to operational reasons. Today, changes have repealed rules introduced by former Prime Minister Scott Morrison in 2019, which he claimed would stop councils from playing politics with Australia Day. Immigration Minister Andrew Giles revealed that Labour will now allow local councils to hold ceremonies three days before or after the 26th of January in what was described as a pragmatic decision to make processing more efficient. The peak body representing Australia's oil and gas industry has strongly condemned the federal government's new energy laws which passed the parliament yesterday. The new laws will will place a price cap on, on 
on gas at $12 a, giga, a gigajoule, create a mandatory code of conduct for the gas industry, as well as other me- measures to reduce soaring energy bills for Australian consumers. In a statement, the Australian Petroleum Production and Exploration Association, or APIA, says the laws will upend a functioning energy market with virtually no consultation. APIA says the laws establish unprecedented interventionist powers through the regulation of gas prices and would also smash investor confidence. The laws, po- the laws passed both houses of parliament and amended with the help of the Greens, the Jackie Lambie Network, and independent ACT Senator David Pocock, while the opposition remains opposed. Treasury modeling suggests the new measures are expected to cut $230 from power bills next year. Other groups, including Greenpeace, the Consumer Action Law Center, and some unions have welcomed the passing of the legislation. Fiji's opposition party takes an early lead in the election ballot count after preliminary tally caused an uproar. From 13% of voting stations, Sitiveni Rabuka's People's Alliance has almost 55% of the vote compared to Prime Minister Frank Bainamarama's Fiji First 22%. This comes after opposition parties expressed concerns of corruption after an earlier count as the elections up seemed to glitch, reversing the result in favour of Fiji First. With more results to come, opposition parties believe that a military coup may still be a possibility if they believe corruption is present. An EU summit has freed up to 18 billion euros in financing for Ukraine in their ongoing condemnation of the Russian invasion. Poland had initially surprised allies by rejecting the package of linked agreements, including the funding of Ukraine, due to the inclusion of a minimum corporate tax. They then dropped their veto, allowing the funds to pass. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed the leaders via video link, thanking them for their aid. I want to thank you for your sanction steps over the past six months. For the package of financial support to our country next year, in the amount of 18 billion euros, which now can be finally approved at the leadership level. This is vital. During the ongoing summit, EU leaders will also attempt to agree on a ninth package of Russia sanctions. Kosovo's Prime Minister, Albin Kurti, has submitted his country's formal application to be granted candidacy status for membership in the European Union, a step in a very long process to eventual membership. Kurti handed over the application to Czech Minister for European Affairs, Mikula Speck, whose country currently holds the rotating EU presidency. I'm uh, repeating that we want no fast track we want no backdoor to EU integration and we want to join EU as soon as possible. I believe that with our dedication and willingness, we are going to change the minds of eventual skeptics as well. Kosovo is locked in a long-lasting dispute with another EU hopeful, neighboring Serbia, which has already called on the bloc to cancel the accession process. Without sorting out their differences, full membership can hardly become a reality. 
an Irish UNP skipper has been killed and several others were wounded after an unidentified attacker unidentified attackers fired at a convoy in southern Lebanon. The Irish Defence Forces statement on Thursday claims a pair of armoured vehicles carrying eight Irish United Nations interim force in Lebanon peacekeeping troops was shot at on Wednesday night from the town of Al-Akbir. Simon Coveney is the Irish Foreign Minister. He says his bowler are behind the attack which the group says was unintentional. So my understanding is that there were two armoured vehicles uh, that left uh, our our base camp, if you like, for Beirut. Uh, There were four personnel in each vehicle. Uh, The uh, the vehicles, for whatever reason, got separated. And then one of the vehicles was uh, surrounded by what I can only describe as a mob uh, who who were uh, very aggressive uh, towards the vehicle. Uh, Shots were fired uh, and uh, unfortunately one of our personnel lost his life. Um, and, and another was very badly injured uh, and was operated on overnight and is currently in a very critical condition. Mr. Coveney says he has seen a comment from his bowler which said that the killing was not intentional. At least nine sinusiders across four different households have been hospitalised after eating contaminated spinach. New South Wales Health has said that the Riviera Farms brand spinach sold through the retailer Costco was not safe to consume and people who have it should throw it out. They also urged anyone who has eaten the product and suffered unusual symptoms to seek immediate medical attention with reported symptoms including hallucinations, delirium, rapid heartbeat and blood vision. Health authorities are still attempting to track the spread and distribution of the contaminated product. And now to sport and in AFL, Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge has signed another two-year contract with the side which will keep him at Whitten Oval until the end of 2025. The 52-year-old was due to come out of contract at the end of next AFL season, but the Bulldogs have moved to lock him in before 2023 begins. Beveridge started his senior AFL coaching career with the Bulldogs in 2015 and has gone on to become the most successful coach in Bulldogs history. He has led the side to 104 wins and their first premiership in 62 years in 2016 as well as runner-up in 2021. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Broome, partly cloudy, 33, Perth, sunny, 30 degrees, Adelaide, cloud clearing, 24, Melbourne, partly cloudy, 20, Hobart, a shower, 2, 16, Albury, Wodonga, sunny, 22, Canberra, partly cloudy, 20, Wollongong, much the same, 20 degrees, Sydney, partly cloudy, 22, Newcastle, partly cloudy as well, 22 degrees, Brisbane, similar conditions, 26, Townsville, sunny day, 32, Cairns, a shower, 2, and a possible storm 32 degrees alice springs mostly cloudy 32 darwin similar conditions and 34 degrees and the Torres Strait islands sunny day ahead and the top of 32 degrees and that is nitv radio news TV, radio, on radio, online and mobile. Coming up uh, next uh, in your program... We continue our coverage of NITV's 10th anniversary. In the program today, we have a speech by uh, 
Indigenous Australian screenwriter Dot West, a long-time advocate for First Nations voices and inclusion in media, a speech pronounced at an event marking NITV's 10th anniversary at Uluru. It's a powerful speech in which Auntie Dot summarizes very brilliantly and very powerfully the journey travelled so far by not only NITV, but all Indigenous media. Also in the program, Councillor Abby Wright, Councillor for Sydney and Newcastle Region at New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, reflects on the importance of having a free-to-air First Nations television telling First Nations stories. Also, sounds of uh, Red Fan Radio's coverage of the 1988 bicentenary protests have been inducted in the National's Film and Sound Archives. A move, as you'll hear, reveals this sound's capacity to reflect and shape Australian culture. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. Firstly, I'd like to pay my respects to the Ananu on whose unceded sovereign lands we meet on today. I'd also like to acknowledge their elders, both past and present, and would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge all First Nations people here today, both our own people and our global guests from the World Indigenous Television Broadcasters Network. This is the first time the World Indigenous Television Network has been able to reconvene in person since the last gathering in November 2012 on Gadigal Country in Sydney. Ten years ago, and they are here again with us today, ten years on, to celebrate our milestone. For the Year of the World Indigenous Peoples in 1993, I was asked to deliver a Boyer lecture for the ABC. Let me share with you how I began that lecture to provide some understanding as to why our First Nations media industry really does matter. We sat in the riverbed, me mates and I. We heard what you said about our people and oh, what lies. You spread your word and images too around the world for all to view. But one thing you forgot was the truth of the matter, the forgotten lot in a land of chatter. You told of our fighting and drunken roaming ways, all the white sightings which only your eyes can portray. You didn't know us or even understand when you took a guess and reported about the original inhabitants of this land. So back in that riverbed we plotted and planned for our voice to be heard in this racist land. We're here now with our own sound waves to tell of how we became your slaves. The stories are rich and cultures strong. We will teach of the right and the wrong. So what's your voice, young white one? We now have a choice to correct your tongue. That little ditty was inspired by Mr McCumber, one of the founders of Karma and Alice Springs, who in 1985 were the first Indigenous radio station licensed. Around the same time, Walpree Media was formed and started their own pirate TV service, soon to be followed by other remote communities. We saw the power of media and we wanted to tell our stories our way. We were sick of hearing and seeing others talk about us. We wanted to be seen and heard. Against the odds, we continue to build our First Nations media industry. 
we now have 35 licensed radio stations with 230 broadcast sites around the country with the capacity to reach 48% of our people. We have the Koori Mail, our national newspaper, along with a strong online presence in platforms such as Indigenous X, the National Indigenous Times, Indigitude, along with published content from all our organisations daily. We have a number of our radio stations with their own mobile app where you can hear them anywhere, anytime. We have a satellite-delivered Narrowcast TV service in ICTV, where our remote broadcast sector share their content. We have production companies producing world-class and simply award-winning um, content. We also have three local Narrowcast TV services, with ICTV in Alice Springs, Larrakia TV in Darwin, and Dada Galari TV in Broome. I think I've almost forgot one TV station, eh? Or what? Eh? Yeah, we've got our national television service, NITV. All of this is ours as First Nations people. And every one of you, my First Nations people in this room and ones who couldn't make it here today, every one of you have played a role in carving out our place in the Australian media landscape. So be proud of all we have achieved because, as they say, it takes a village. I can, you know, Mr JP can talk all his stuff about me, but I wouldn't be here without the rest of you. So, you know, be proud. It's also pretty magical to be back here on Ananu Country, 10 years on from where we first launched NITV free-to-air in 2012 on SBS. When I came here for that celebration 10 years ago, I was newly appointed to the SBS board and it was such a wonderful moment in time to know that our national Indigenous television service was going to be truly national. You see, from 2007 up until 2012, NITV went out as a narrowcaster on the Aurora satellite, along with Foxtel and Ostar. It wasn't ideal. Our people expected that our service could reach them and all Australians in their homes, on their standard televisions, no matter where they lived. That just wasn't the case. And so for some, it was extremely disappointed. But also, let's not underestimate, underestimate what we had achieved up until 2012. We had got our television station started with a budget, albeit a very, very, very tiny wing budget in comparison to others. The hard yards of getting to originally launch the station in 2007 could not have been made possible with our without our amazing trailblazer. She's not here in the room. She had to go back to Alice, Miss Rachel Perkins, along with Sally Riley and many others in this industry that sat in that little Redfern office when we were, we were in lockdown because police were raiding the place and we were getting together the mastermind of how we were going to be a national Indigenous television service. 
And also, we can't forget the newcomer, newcomer to media at the time, Pat Turner. So a big shout out to all of you who helped to pave the way for our national television service. But there's one person I would particularly like to point out. She started with NITV in 2007 and is still with us, deadly woman, as the executive of Indigenous content across the whole of the SBS suite. She's the passionate, the one and the only Tanya Denning. Tanya, the work that you've done over this time is insurmountable. Your leadership during this time has been just absolutely wonderful and it's been fantastic working alongside you, not only providing a bit of men mentorship, but also learning from you as well. So thank you. In 2012, our TV station was given a lifeline by SBS, and for the last 10 years, not only our people, but all Australians have had the privilege of immersing themselves in our First Nations world through our news, our stories, our cultures and our lives. The last 10 years hasn't been a smooth ride. We had bumps, turns and potholes to overcome. When NITV and I suppose myself as a board member got to SBS in 2012, we struggled to find our place in Australia's multicultural broadcaster. I walked into my first board meeting in Melbourne actually with holes in my shoes. After being out here on Ananuk country, where they simply melted at the soles. So, you know, I felt pretty brave walking into this deadly board meeting with all these other mob with holes in my shoes. But at least I kept ground today. The crew at NITV were relegated to the back of the bottom floor. And hey, perhaps at the time, it was the right fit. It kept the crew together. And with that togetherness, of course, came their strength. NITV in those early days of SBS were finding their feet, navigating themselves within the organisation, which quite frankly, at the time, had very little power in this corporation. It was an outsider, a newcomer to the block. But with the persistence, dedication and continued drive of the team, led by Tanya, and the growing willingness of the corporation to accommodate our needs, NITV eventually found their place. A place where we no longer sit on the periphery of this organisation, but sit at its heart, in both the cultural and operational fabric of the organisation, and also physically, where staff now filter throughout the organisation whilst having their main office space right next to the amazing, the wonderful managing director, James Taylor, who has made some simply brilliant changes in SBS, changes where the corporation has realised that NITV is a representation of the oldest living culture in the world and what a tremendous honour and gift this is. I know it sounds simple enough, but it's not, especially when you consider that we have so many in this nation who haven't opened their eyes nor their hearts to us as a people, who haven't realised that they are living on the lands of a people that have the oldest continuous living culture in the world. I say that again. 
It is our strength. I'm really saddened to be leaving SBS board at this time. Things are only just cranking up, I believe. Oh, well, they've been cranking up for 10 years, but you know. We have an Elevate wrap, which will connect the oldest living culture in the world with our country's newest arrivals and everyone in between. We have a National Indigenous Television Service that's just going from strength to strength in the content we create and the, big, and the business we run. You only needed to see the magnificent work on display this week and particularly yesterday by the team to bring you this magnificent celebration of NITV's 10th year as a free-to-air broadcaster. So Rana and Tanya, thank you for that leadership. That concert yesterday was Murich. In my language, Nungar language, Murich. This one, deadly. It was magic. I cried, I laughed, I sang, and hey, I even threw my walking stick away and danced. <laughs> so, Rimmer and Belinda, thank you so much for the leadership in that production. It was such a wonderful way to end my 10 years with SBS and NITV. And that was uh, Auntie Dot West, and this is part of uh, her speech pronounced at an event marking uh, NITV's uh, 10th anniversary. And the full speech is already published on our website, sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. NITV Radio. Share our stories on Facebook. Coming up next, a reflection on NITV's significance in the Australian media fabric. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. I'm joined by Councillor Abby Wright, New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, Sydney, Newcastle Councillor, in the context of NITV's celebrations of their 10th anniversary as a free-to-air channel bringing to all Australian households Indigenous stories told by Indigenous people. Welcome to NITV Radio, Councillor Wright. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Bertram. Now, as we celebrate NITV's 10th anniversary, for someone like yourself, who is very active in the community, I have to say you're the founder of the Miramar Aboriginal Language and Technology Centre, and you're also in a leadership role with uh, the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. What is your reflection on having a national free-to-air TV telling Indigenous stories by Indigenous people going free-to-air to all Australian households? I think the more people see us, the greater steps Australia can take in understanding and appreciating and celebrating First Nations peoples and cultures. I think it's important um, uh, NITVs uh, or an Aboriginal uh, station continues to to be accessible to everyone right across the nation because it's the achievements are, are, are massive and wonderful and with great leadership. Uh, and a great vision by the leaders who were actually there who, uh, who set NITV up. I think they really need to be commended because I think Australia's really grown just from seeing black faces on TV for the last 10 years here in Australia. I think it's a, it's a step forward for the culture, uh, the culture in Australia in itself. And have you had an interaction with NITV in the course of your activities and work? So I've been fortunate enough to... Uh, having a music career, so I've been uh, started 
probably 20 years ago in the rap scene in Indigenous hip-hop and Australian hip-hop and uh, one of the early pioneer groups in Australia and um, it was a wonderful journey for me and um, it continues today. But I'm also a community person, so I've been brought up in the Aboriginal community and involved in a lot of uh, community activities. I was a part of a part of the Newcastle Yowie's footy footy club. So we we won the knockout, and we're fortunate to have NITV cover cover those events for us, and we hosted it along with uh, NITV and for three years. And uh, yeah, it was great working with the NITV crew and. And uh, like I said, I've done numerous festivals and engagements for NITV performing-wise. Yeah, it's been a wonderful journey for me uh, to be a part of such a, a massive uh, contribution to Australian society, which is NITV. Without NITV, which other outlet would you turn to to air your music and uh, stories? There's nowhere else. There's nowhere else. It's the only platform that, uh, that we get to share our stories on a, on a national scale. On a mainstream scale, I think that um, NITV is there a replaceable as far as Australia is concerned, and uh, people knowing this, the oldest culture in the world, on the world, and I think that's what NITV offers. I think there's there's nowhere else where you can get the experience of of seeing Aboriginal people every day in every part of Australia, right across the country, in our culture, modern and traditional, is shown in that. NITV is now curating excellent content from all across Australia and uh, even sourcing content from overseas. Yet, the channel started from uh, very humble beginnings. And uh, what... I actually performed for the to actually help get NITV the money in Canberra uh, down at Parliament House for politicians. So I was, I was a part of that. I was, I was engaged by NITV, the senior staff, to go down and be a part of it, me and my brother. So as, as one of the entertainers. When was that? That was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us more about that performance? How was the experience performing to raise funds for NITV? That was wonderful that day. There was a few other senior Aboriginal artists. My, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, artists, and it was wonderful because we had all politicians in the room watching us perform. And uh, it was just a showcasing of Aboriginal talent. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of it. In terms of uh, raising funds, uh, how good was it? Uh, did you hit your target? Well, MITV is still going 10 years later. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, we hit the target all right, and, and I think we're still going in the right direction. Yeah, and uh, now looking back at NITV's achievements in the last decade, what's your reflection on the journey travelled so far? I think that it's it's been a wonderful journey, and I think we need to remember the people whose shoulders that we stand on, the Giants, who actually had the vision to, to start in ITV to give all of our young people the platforms that they have now. And I think if it wasn't for, for those people, I think that um, we wouldn't be anywhere near we are, sports, entertainment, politics-wise, all the different fields right across society. I think NITV's exposed our people's talents and strength to the rest of the world, and I think that but we need to sometimes stop and reflect on on how we got to where we are. Yeah. And we really need to acknowledge those people. Which one of your songs reflects uh, that uh, fundraising night? Uh, we got a song called Black Follows. It's called uh, by Street Warriors. Street uh, Warriors. Yeah, Street Warriors. And are you still performing? 
I'm not performing at the moment, but I'm back in the studio recording a new album. Councillor Wright, thank you very much for talking to us today on NITV Radio, and we look forward to catching up when your new album is released. Sounds good, Bertram. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for having me. NITV Radio. Share our stories on Facebook. Radio Red Fund's coverage of the 1988 bicentenary protests has just been inducted in the National Registry of Film and Sound. Nick Henderson, curator at the National Film and Sound Archives, is joining us on NITV Radio to discuss this historical move. Welcome to NITV Radio, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. Now, why have the Radio Red Fund sounds taken so long to make it into the National Archives? Because uh, it's taken some three decades, while Julia Gillard's speech, which has also been inducted uh, this week, took uh, just uh, some ten years to make it into the registry. I guess there's two things here. One is that uh, Sounds of Australia is a program that we run every year. Um, the focus of the program is to invite the public to nominate uh, the sounds that they think should be inducted into Sounds of Australia, into the registry. A number of these are already in the National Film and Sound Archive collection, um, so they're already preserved and safe, but we, we I guess we run the Sounds of Australia project to involve the public and to promote um, sound recording heritage. So when we go out to the public, they nominate their sounds uh, and they get voted on by a panel. So um, it's, not a, it's not a controlled process in that sense uh, and it's really uh, in response to when the public uh, provides their nomination and, and when the panel votes on those. So that's kind of how it comes about. There are sounds and pieces actually of uh, history that are much older than that, that have also just made it into the registry. Yeah, this sounds going back to the beginning of the last century. Absolutely, and some of the most important recordings in that uh, context are some of the earliest uh, wax cylinder recordings, uh, including uh, recordings from Central Australia, uh, from the Torres Strait, uh, from the late 1890s and early, um, just into the turn of the century. So some really uh, important Aboriginal recordings. And uh, who can nominate pieces that go into the registry and uh, what criteria do they adhere to? Well, it's just really members of the public. Any any person out there can nominate a sound recording um, as long as it's uh, over 10 years old. Uh, so part of that is I think sometimes people uh, think of sound and, and often it's just the thing that they recall uh, from, a, from a moment rather than a recording. So recordings could be anything on, say, wax cylinders or uh, vinyl records. It could be on um, CDs or, or digitally, um, but it needs to be a recording in some form. And it needs to, I guess, have significance uh, to Australia. So it could be anything from, uh, you know, songs. It could be uh, from bands, popular bands. It could be environmental recordings, um, right through to things like community radio, like the Radio Redfern coverage. Yeah, Radio Redfern sounds are really important. Uh, The debate they sparked and conversations that they started are still raging to this day. Look, absolutely. A very important documentation and much more broad than what was going on on the day, in a sense, because what what Radio Redfern did through to RSR, which is uh, the station they broadcast on, 
uh, was to bring Aboriginal broadcasters from around Australia to come and be involved as part of the broadcasting throughout that week um, to support them, to train them up um, and for them to then go back and do set up their own programs, to set up their own stations. And so it's actually quite an important moment more broadly in, in, in First Nations broadcasting in Australia uh, that led to the creation of, of uh, I guess, a whole network of um, First Nations broadcasters around Australia. As a creator, I know it's very hard to rank items you, you curate, but how do you rank these uh, sounds? Well, in, in terms of the top 10 lists that we've uh, that are being inducted this year, certainly I think for me Radio Redfern's coverage is, is right up the top, uh, both for its significance in terms of its documentation of, of, of a pivotal moment in Australian history, but also for the, I guess, the, in a, the kind of waves uh, that it continues to push out in terms of those, um, you know, broadcasters, but as you said, also in in other areas of media, um, hearing uh, significant community activists, uh, people like Gary Foley or Tigger Bales or others, um, uh, Tiger Bales, um, who who went on to do so much more beyond this, and so having having their recordings uh, survive uh, is a really important documentation. And um, you know, it's also coming up to the 40th anniversary next year of of uh, Radio Skid Row, uh, so it's a great opportunity also to um, to highlight that and, and also the 100th anniversary of, of radio broadcasting in Australia. And what does it mean now that these uh, sounds are archived at the NFSA? The process with this is uh, Sounds of Australia is really to um, provide a showcase to highlight um, significant recordings. Um, it, it, by being inducted into Sounds of Australia, it doesn't necessarily mean the, sound, the recordings are part of the National Film and Sound Archive collection. In the case of the first recording uh, that we've got from this year, it actually comes from South Australian archives. Um, and other recordings, for example, the one of uh, Julia Gillard's misogyny speech uh, was recorded by Department of Parliamentary Services, and they maintain an archive of all of those broadcasts. But in a, for items like the Bicentennial uh, protest coverage by Radio Redfern, they are parts of our collection. So we actually have 17 hours of recordings from the day. Uh, so it's a really unique um, slice of uh, community broadcasting history, uh, which is, is held by the NFSA. And having the Sounds of Australia enables us to really showcase different parts of that. So for anybody who's listening, you can just pop onto the National Film and Sound Archive website, which is nfsa.gov.au. And on the homepage, you'll find uh, a link to this uh, Sounds of Australia for 2022. And you can listen to three uh, parts of that uh, recording. So we thought 17 hours might be a bit too much, but hopefully the three segments which we've got up um, give a bit of a, a sense of, of the day. I guess this gives them more visibility and accessibility, uh, I'd say. Absolutely. And look, if people want to listen to any more of those sounds or the wider collection, we have over 4 million items uh, in the National Film and Sound Archive collection. So that includes material like radio, but also includes television, film, uh, games and, and a whole lot more. So you can access uh, information about our holdings through our catalogue, which is linked off our homepage, and you can access the material if it's not already online somewhere on our website by coming into one of our access centres. So you can access from every state capital in Australia. Nick Henderson, Curator National Film and Sound Archives, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much for having me. 
visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. And uh, that's all we have for today. Bertrand Tungandamingaya, thanking you for your company this uh, Friday afternoon. NITV Radio will be back uh, next uh, Monday. And I also wish you a very beautiful and safe weekend. Till next time, bye for now. Yeah, look.